let's dive in. Uh, many of you who particularly like home improvement shows uh, recognize this couple right here. Uh, any, recognize this couple? Right, Chip and Joanna Gaines. About uh, 10 years ago, I think it was uh, 2013, they launched this program called Fixer Upper. And there's a lot of other shows like this on TV, like Property Brothers and others. And the idea is that often you walk through a house at the beginning of the show, and the house is a wreck or at least it's a house in need of some desperate work. And over the course of the program, they transform this house, uh, totally renovate it from what it was to something more suited for the family that's going to move in. But something that is required in these fixer-upper type programs is that somebody has to have a vision for what the house will be. Somebody has to have the imagination not to see only what is, but to see what could be. And so uh, there's a couple that Chip and Joanna Gaines want to interest in this house. They walk into the backyard and it's just like a wreck. It's like there's just weeds everywhere and there's just these bushes growing out of control. And they say, no, 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 don't see this. The, the patio could go here and Floyd, he loves to grill outside. Okay, the grill could go right over here. It's the job of helping someone see what can be once the renovation is complete. And it's the same thing in the kitchen area. They walk into this tiny, tiny kitchen and it's closed off from the, the dining room and the living room. And they say, no, we just can't imagine using this because we love to cook and having people, no, 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 no. We could take this wall down here and we could you know, rotate the kitchen this direction, you know, put the stove over here and this kitchen island could become the epicenter, the emotional epicenter for your home. And see, that's the job of the person who designs this uh, renovation is to not simply see what's there, but to see what could be there when the renovation is complete. But you start with uh, Fixer Upper and the program moves toward just this beautifully laid out home. Now, keep this Fixer Upper image in mind when we explore this verse together, you would find this in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We find these words, for, for we are God's what? We are God's handiwork. It's like his masterpiece. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then there's that part at the end, which God prepared when? in advance for us to do. The, 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 the beauty of this verse, we are God's masterpiece. It's like he's the artist and we are the art. And then there's that word created, created in Christ Jesus. It's like the creator is doing a work of recreation in us. He's doing a work of new creation in us. But it says created to do good works. It's like a life of goodness now becomes the soundtrack of my life, or is supposed to become the soundtrack of my life. But that, that bit at the end where it says, which God prepared, what two words, when? In advance for us to do. You realize what it's expressing here. Before I invited Jesus in to my life, he already knew the renovation that he was going to do. He already imagined how he was going to renovate my life. Before I heard God whisper my name, and responded by trusting him, realizing that it's not my goodness, it's his goodness that brings me home. Even before that happened, God already imagined the renovation that he would do in my life. And so the question is, what's this renovation supposed to look like? 
I mean, I understand you can walk through a house and say, okay, this is where the patio is going to be. This is what we're going to do with the kitchen. As God, like, surveys my life, what is the renovation he had planned? And today, we're going to focus on one area. It's the area of honesty. Now, you just need to know that as I was starting to prepare this teaching, it was like I was going to focus on three areas. And then because of time, I narrowed it down to two areas. And because of time, I narrowed it down to one area. All I'm saying is, this is the only one-point sermon you're ever going to get. Okay, this area of, you're welcome, uh, this area, this area of honesty. And so uh, that verse, we are his workmanship, it's like we're his masterpiece, he's the artist, we're the art, and he had this thing prepared in advance for us to do, that's in chapter 2. You go down to chapter 4, and you start to see all of the renovation that God has planned. And so in chapter 4, verse 25, we find this verse. It says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Uh, This was written to church people. Church people are being coached here to stop lying. (laughs) Why would people who were now believers, who were Christians, why would they be continuing to lie The answer is they were in the habit of lying. (laughs) And secondly, they're fixer-uppers. See, this is the good news when we come to Jesus. I get Jesus, and he gets a fixer-upper. And so their coach, listen, God desires this renovation for your life. Put away all falsehood. Each of you should speak truthfully to his neighbor. So I've been thinking. I've been thinking about lying, and I've been thinking about why we lie. It's probably a complicated answer, but one of the simplest things that occurred to me is that often when I lie about a situation, I lie in order to hide something. To to lie is to conceal. To lie is to hide something. And so uh, someone comes by your uh, work area and happens to be like your supervisor type, and they say, hey, that project, uh, is that project uh, about done? And you go, I'm working on it, and you're not working on it. Uh, you forgot about it. You haven't started it. Not only is it not almost done, it's not even started yet. No, working on it. It, 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 We we tell that lie in order to hide the fact that we have not given appropriate priority to something. It feels like we're in trouble, and so we lie in order to hide. I didn't say that. Well, maybe we didn't say that in those words, but we said something like that. I didn't say that because it it was unkind It wasn't gracious, and I want to conceal, I want to hide the fact that I'm capable of saying, so I I didn't say that, and a lie is told in order to hide hide something, in order to conceal something. This is why we um, exaggerate our achievements, we minimize our failings, it's like I don't, I would like to present a version of myself that is more palatable, more presentable, more acceptable, more likable. And so instead of just saying, this is me, I want to hide behind this kind of created facade of me. And I think at the heart of our deception is something's going on inside where we just kind of go, listen, listen, if you really saw me, you wouldn't want me. I mean, if you saw the real me, me without this shell, without this mask, without this facade, if you saw me, you wouldn't want me. 
so we hide. Now, uh, I, love, I love games. I'm fairly competitive. And there's a game that I've been playing a lot lately. It's a game called Hide and Seek. So we got five grandchildren, and the youngest two are three-year-old girls and their cousins, Olive and Mia. Oh, uh, I suppose you want to see a picture. Okay, because you insisted. Are you ready? Okay, this is Olive and Mia right here. I'm telling you, some of you who are grandparents, you think your grandkids are adorable? Just saying. So Mondays, a lot of times, Olive and Mia will come over and spend the day at our house, and inevitably, Grandpa, hide and seek, Grandpa, hide and seek. And so we end up playing hide and seek. I need to tell you something. They're not any good at it. I mean, I'm counting eight, nine. I, I, I can hear them pull the chairs out from under the dining room table. And these chairs are porous, you know? And so they don't only go to the middle of the table, they'll be like right there at the edge. And if it takes me more than a few seconds, it's like, we're over here. I can, give me some time. Give me some time. You know, they're, you know we play hide and seek, but they're just, they're just not very good at it. So I count again, and this time they, they duck right behind the couch where I'm counting. I can hear them breathing. It's like they're right there. So uh, we play hide and seek, but they're not really, they're not any good at it. Listen, we're really good at it. We're really good at it. One of the first crushing stories that we have in our Bible. This is Adam and Eve in the garden, our first parents. After eating the forbidden fruit, we're told that the creator is walking through the garden where he used to walk with them each day. And it says that they were hiding in the garden out of shame for what they had done. And I think we've gone into hiding ever since. The Apostle Paul writes to these new Christians, and he goes, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. It's kind of like, well, I get that. It's kind of like, my goodness, you call yourself Christian. Stop lying. I think something much deeper is going on here. This is in chapter 4. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul has written about the grace of God and the love of God and the tenderness of God and the kindness of God and the mercy of God. Jesus coming to take our place at when, when we respond to this love that Jesus holds out to us, there's just three expressions here. We find ourselves infinitely loved, infinitely treasured, and infinitely secure. Can you read those with me? Infinitely loved, infinitely treasured, infinitely secure. And what I want to suggest to you is that when that really goes down deep into my life, if I find myself as someone who's infinitely secure, I don't have to hide anymore. <laughs> Senior year of high school, had a, a close friend. His name was Mark Bloom. And over the summer, he and his girlfriend had broken up. And so now it's like, you know, like we're 17 years old. It's like the first day of uh, senior year. And we run into Mark and we say, hey, man, we heard you guys decided to break up over the summer. And Mark goes, 
decided to break up, decided to break up. No, she dumped me. And it was so refreshing. Just to hear someone secure, and I just remember that as a 17-year-old and go, he didn't put any spin on it. He didn't, well, you know, it was kind of mutual and we decided and blah, blah, blah. It was like, nope, she dumped me. It was like, there it is. And it, it even struck me as a 17-year-old that that required an incredible amount of just personal security. Just kind of go, this is what it is. What if? the more I recognize that I'm infinitely loved, infinitely treasured, and infinitely secure with God. I don't, need, I don't need to hide anymore. So let's go back to that work situation. Uh, hey, that project, you almost done with that? Yeah, I bet. Hey, honestly, I haven't even started yet. I need to apologize because I know this project was really important to you, and I let other priorities slip in. Let me tell you what. I think I can throw myself at it beginning Monday, and I think I can wrap it up and deliver it on Wednesday. But uh, just want to apologize. I haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't even started it yet. Who confess, who fesses up to that in a work situation? Someone who is incredibly secure. This is who I am, and this is what it is. This is what went down, apology. I'm just telling you, the more secure you feel, the more secure you are, the more it allows you to come out of hiding. This is why early one morning after a men's group, one dude in the men's group looks over at his leader and says, hey, uh, can I walk you to your car? You see these kind of one-on-one -on -one conversation. As they're walking out of a church building, he says, uh, does a... Uh, does the church, like, uh, recommend certain, like, uh, marriage counselors? Why do you ask? Man, we're, we're not doing well. Do you think your wife's willing to go in for a counselor? Willing? She's insisting that we go in to a counselor. Well, dude, let me encourage you with something. Uh, jump on this. Do not seek help once someone is packing their bags and moving out. Jump on this. But just being able to go, look, we're not doing well. We think we need some help. It requires an incredible amount of security to come out of hiding and just say, this part of my life isn't going well right now. Conversations like that should happen around Ada Bible Church all the time. Listen, you are in a group of fixer-uppers, people who are infinitely loved, infinitely treasured, infinitely secure, and God is still doing his work, a massive renovation of our lives the more secure we feel, the more likely we are to say, this is what's actually going on. So imagine a conversation with two women, and one of them say, hey, tell me why you decided to leave that company. Well, I, I didn't decide to leave that company. They canned me. I got canned. And I, I, still, I still don't really know what it was they were looking for, but apparently it wasn't me. How are you dealing with this? On my best days. I just have this trust and faith and confidence that God is at work in this journey. And on days when I'm not doing so well, I am discouraged and I am depressed. And it feels like a roller coaster going back and forth. They're trusting God with this situation, looking for something, and then just feeling alone, alone and afraid. Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? There'll be a lot of ups and downs. But it's just, it's just you don't have to hide anymore. And friends call, and they say, hey, we're going to head to Chicago in a couple weekends from now. Love for you to go with us. We're going to spend a couple nights in a really nice hotel. We haven't seen Hamilton. Have you seen Hamilton? We want to go. And you say, hey, we're busy that weekend. You're not busy that weekend. Hey, you know something? We'd love to go with you. But right now, we are just really trying to get our spending under control. 
and uh, man, we've just been bleeding cash. And so for this next season, uh, yeah, we're just putting on the brakes, uh, extra trips like that to get our spending under control. Listen, who can say that out loud? Someone who's not in hiding. This is, this is who I am. This, this is the flawed, fixer-upper me who is loved and treasured and secure. This is what it is. Now, let me pause to say that not everybody deserves that level of information. When we talk about honesty here, that doesn't mean that everybody needs all the truth all the time. When your server comes to your table in the morning and says, how are you doing she probably doesn't want to know about your marriage, your mortgage, or your medication. She probably just wants to know, do you want the egg scrambled or over easy? And so for those of us that have a propensity to, to overshare, it's, like, it's not that everybody deserves all the truth all the time. Listen, but somebody does. And particularly for the shameful things, for the things that we just want to go into hiding and we're embarrassed we're embarrassed we haven't figured it out alone, uh, figured it out on our own. Uh, we're a little shame-filled. Uh, to, to seek out somebody, a trusted brother, a trusted sister, and just be able to say, this is what's going on. And that brother-sister thing, that's critical to this passage. There's the end of the verse that I didn't show you. The first part said, uh, put away all falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. But this is how the thing ends. It says, for we are all what? We are all what? Last line. Members of one body. This is written to a Jesus community here. It's kind of like, listen, I'm part of you. You're part of me. We're all fixer-uppers. We're all radically flawed. We're all radically loved. More broken than we can possibly know. More loved and secure than we can possibly imagine. We are all members of one body. It's just realizing that we have the same story. Radically broken. Radically loved. So uh, Chris and I, we moved, we moved six years ago. Our former house. We lived in the house for 26 years. Years. It's a house in which we raised our children, and then our kids uh, <clears throat> abandoned us, and we thought it was time for something different, something new. And the house that we bought, we renovated it before, before we moved in, and it wasn't a, a, a wreck. Uh, it, it was, however, built in the 70s, and it had, some parts of it had been uh, neglected over the years. And so... Before we bought the house, we're walking through and we're imagining, we're imagining, and yes, we did watch Chip and Joanna Gaines one too many times and took out a couple walls. But as we walked into the backyard, which was overgrown, I looked over in the corner and I imagined where the fire pit would go, where we would gather with family and friends and neighbors. So that's where the fire pit will go. We walked through the kitchen and we reimagined the kitchen so that the island would be the emotional epicenter of our house. This is what you do with a renovation. You imagine, you not only see what's there, you imagine what it will be. This is what Jesus did with us. He saw what we were, but he also imagined, he prepared in advance the renovation that he would do. Part of that renovation has to do with renovating us into people of honesty. What that means is you don't have to hide anymore. Look at me. You don't have to hide anymore. He gives us security 
and a love and a treasure that allows us to go, this is me, the flawed fixer-upper me, this infinitely loved, treasured, and secure that God continues to mold and shape. He's the artist. I'm the art, and I open my heart to letting him work on this. Let me ask you to stand here and at our other campuses as well. Uh, hey, hey, uh, <clears throat> this is a big weekend for us, and it's a good weekend for us. And I am just so pleased with where we are as a ministry, and I am super excited about where we're headed. And so I pray this day, gracious God, once again we say thank you for gathering us into this space, into each other's company where we can open your word and hear your voice. Please, please continue to mold us and shape us and renovate our hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus who came for us. Amen. We'll see you next week.